good y'all hope everybody's well yeah been a little minute how y'all doing out there shout out to everybody that came through early hold on i'm hearing some strange stuff in my mic okay well hopefully that'll smooth it out a little bit anyway uh Good to see some of y'all. It's been a little minute. What's going on? Great I-9, what's happening? Mike King, what's up? No one. Aaron, Smooth Groove, what's happening? F Holiday, Joe, what's good? Shout out to Layman's Journal, still doing that good work. Y'all make sure you check out Layman's Journal and subscribe. Uh, what's up? Tommy, what's going on? You know, Jamel, what's going on? 
Yeah. So just to the you know let y'all know. So I am working on several different projects at once, and I do have a tight timeline. So I've had to take time away from other things. So I'm I'm chairing two search committees at Fresno State. We're trying to hire two people in Africana as well as um, knocking out some other projects I'm working on. So I do plan to come back to YouTube very soon, um, but I got to finish this stuff up. Nevertheless, I did want to show my face and uh, just pop in every now and again to let y'all know I still exist. <laughs> so that said, you know, support the channel, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support what independent uh, black men are doing. You know, support black male media, you know, so that we can continue to make this work and bring you independent black male thought, right? So that is what it is. Um, but, you know, there's a couple things I wanted to share with you guys today. A couple observations about how black men are often under misunderstood. And I thought it important we go over a few of these because I think um, I think it gets overlooked a lot. So let me try and get some of this squared up. I think that will work. Okay, so let's see if it'll let me do this here. All right, so we're going to look at about five different ways through specific incident, incidents uh, that black men are misunderstood on one level or another, right? we're just going to jump right in because I, I got to get back to the grind tonight on these other projects anyway. But like I said, I want to share a few things. So this is a recent article you can find, as you can see, on Atlanta Black Star. I'll, I'll put all the links in the uh, description box as usual when I'm done. But just to let you know, right, time matters, right? And so in terms of the, what we're about to look at, um, I think... People don't understand one misunderstanding we have about black men is that they do need justice and they do need it in a timely manner. What do I mean? Well, as you can see, the title of this article is couldn't live long enough to see justice. Kentucky man wrongfully imprisoned for 28 years for murder finally receives $28 million settlement more than a year after he dies. Right. Yeah, this is ridiculous. There's a picture of the gentleman right there, William Ricky Virgil, exonerated of a murder charge in 2016 after serving 28 years in prison, died in January 2022, before his federal lawsuit, a civil lawsuit against the officers who framed him could be heard in trial court. This is the shit we're talking about. What's up, Officer Faulkner? What's good? Indigo Flow, what's going on? Gary, what's up? Yeah, but this is what we're looking at. Right, so Kentucky man spent twenty years in twenty eight years in prison for a rape and murder. Oh, I guess I wasn't supposed to say that. Anyway, he did not commit, and that's interesting in and of itself, right? Because what we're told is that when it comes to, I guess what some people call epar, epar, you know, to get around whatever, um, that that doesn't happen. You know, black men are not framed. They're not. They're not falsely accused. These things happen whenever somebody says they happen. Right? That's what we're told. But we're seeing incident after incident that we cover on this channel and on my social media where men are found innocent. As a matter of fact, black men are found the most innocent. When you look at those who've been exonerated, 
especially using DNA evidence, it's overwhelmingly black male. But anyway, in terms of this, we call it EPAR and murder. He did not commit, um, has been awarded a record-breaking $28 million settlement. For the years, he was wrongfully incarcerated, but he won't be able to get any of it. So this man sat in a cell for damn near 30 years and couldn't even enjoy the fruit of you know him suing for his mistreatment and having been framed. William Rick Virgil died at 69, more than a year before city officials in Newport, Kentucky decided to compensate him $1 million for each year he was behind bars. That's some shit. The civil case was prolonged by the officer's attempts to appeal. Virgil was convicted in 1988 based on a jailhouse, on the jailhouse, jailhouse informant's testimony and circumstantial evidence reports show. He served 28 of his 70-year sentence before being released in December 2015 after DNA excluded him from the crime. William couldn't live long enough to see justice. Virgil's attorney, Elliot Solazar, or Slozer, uh, said, William as a human being and, and William's case will have caused significant change in the criminal justice system. Reether Welch, a white psychiatric nurse who he had roomed and had an on-again, on off-again sexual relationship with, had been found dead on her bathroom floor in 1987. She had been e and stabbed 28 times and struck on the head. However, Virgil was adamant that he was innocent. One of the detectives on the case reportedly paid the man's former cellmate and promised to write a favorable letter to the parole board to testify that Virgil told him he committed the crime the informant later admitted. Virgil's ex-girlfriend, Sue Daniels, who had mental health problems and suffered memory loss from a car accident, also testified that Virgil asked her for help killing the woman. But she later admitted that prosecutors stopped her probation from being revoked in exchange for her testimony. She had also had a grudge against her former boyfriend and once shot at him and missed. Y'all, mm. So, again, when we talk about the abuse of these institutions against black men and the capacity for some individuals, particularly women, ex-girlfriends, lovers, wives, to carry out their grudge, carry out their frustrations using, in this case, the law, right? This tends to go and people receive it because she said it. Again, no evidence, none of that. Shout out to Mike Andrews, appreciate that. Says, appreciate you bringing out the stuff you do. Take it easy, brother, man, I hear you. Shout out to Artisan, what's going on? Cox in the house, Greg, Eric, what's up? Indigo, you know, but this is what we talking about. The abuse of these institutions, right? They pave the way and, and incentivize people to use the law. And, it, and, and it's black men that find themselves in a cell more often than not because of it. Anyway, um, detectives also ignored white suspects in the case, including James Becker, a man Welch was seeing at the time. Uh, Vigil uh, filed a civil lawsuit against two former Newport police officers. He also sought civil relief from the city, Norwood, Kentucky, and Cincinnati, Ohio, which also had detectives assigned to the case. Despite the new findings, the Newport officers still pushed for an appeal based on qualified immunity. We talk about this in the blackmail political agenda as far as qualified immunity. Um, I will put the link for that. Well, here, I'll just take you to it. 
so that you can see it directly. Everything's moving so slow right now. You see the 17-point blackmail agenda. I don't know why uh, the screen is freezing up a little bit here. There it goes. All right. So if you go to number six, criminal law uh, reform, law enforcement, you can scroll down, look at some of the data there, and you'll see Part D in qualified immunity. Often negotiated into union contracts, qualified immunity is a legal principle that grants government officials, especially law enforcement, performing discretionary functions immunity from civil suits unless the plaintiff shows that the office, the official violated clearly established statutory or constitutional rights of which a reasonable person would have known. Now, do you know how difficult it is to actually prove that police officers illegally framed you? This man was incarcerated for 28 years. How many other prisoners are locked up and can't prove that they've been framed? So anyway, continuing on, Newport City Manager Tom Frome uh, told WCPO that city officials felt it was prudent to settle this case due to the current climate of anti-police sentiment and that the case was over 35 years old, strongly believed the Newport Police Department actions um, and conduct were appropriate and professional, he said, nearly 70 years old. And having spent several years in prison, Virgil battled cardiac and renal problems and struggled to secure health care coverage, according to his cousin, Jerry Coleman. Coleman told uh, Cincinnati Inquirer he had difficulty getting Medicaid or Medicare because he had no paycheck stubs. He died hours before seeking medical treatment and a week after finally receiving his medical cards. God damn it. I get choked up, Coleman said, as much as he had gone through and survived and to die from something medical that we have systems in place for, but there was that little slit, that caveat. Wow. Died over a piece of paper and had $28 million waiting on him. This kind of shit we talking about. I mean, what's up, Stuart? BGS in the house, what's going on? Aaron, Mark. What's good? Mark, put the information about your book in the chat. Let people check you out. Um, Y'all like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel. Drop something in the collection box, if you will. Anyway. Uh, damn. Becker told police he had had a disagreement with Welch four nights before her murder because she said she planned to allow a man named Rick to stay at her apartment. They hadn't spoken since, but he saw her talking to a black man earlier that day outside of her apartment. Virgil had re uh, reportedly been in the Veterans Administration Hospital where Welch worked on April 9th, 1987, the day Becker said he saw the black man outside the slain woman's home. He admitted being angry about Welch taking or talking to the black man, but told police he learned about her murder on the news and called them. Detectives also ignored Isaac Grubbs, a white man who had called and threatened Welch two days before her body was found. That same day, police shot and killed Grubbs while he was wielding a knife. Damn. Uh, the medical examiner determined Welch was killed two or three days, two to three days before she was found on April 13th, 1987. Grubb's knife was submitted into evidence, but it was not used in Virgil's trial to rule out his guilt. However, in 2010, the Kentucky Innocence Project successfully pushed for a review of DNA in the case. None of the specimens collected matched Virgil. He was granted a new trial in 2015 and his conviction was overturned. The state later dismissed the charges. 
we've spent the last decade, the last half decade, trying to show how William was framed for a crime he didn't commit, Slozer said. Our team did dozens of depositions and we got documents from all these police departments that were never turned over. And eventually we were granted a trial. This is this is very much like Brian Banks, which, you know, I've assigned my students to to go watch uh, this week. Shout out to uh, um, MLR. Appreciate that generous donation. Thank you. Says supporting our black male scholars as always. Um, there you go. Now, I'll also support Mark Tuggle, his book, uh, Cultural Silence and Wounded Souls. I even put a piece in there to support the brother. Uh, brotherly love. What's going on? Anyway. So. The multi-million dollar award, which is the largest uh, pre-trial settlement on record, according to Slozer, will be dispersed between Virgil's family members. I know there are some things he wanted to do for people to thank them for supporting his family members that he wasn't here for. Coleman said he missed his father's funeral. There were a lot of people that took care of his dad because he wasn't there. And for some black men, this ends up being the only way they can support their families in any significant way is to die. This is ridiculous. So when I say that one of the misunderstandings regarding black men is that black men do require justice and they require it in a timely manner. That's what I mean. One of the things that I think people misunderstand. And I think in certain respects, the need for justice is severely downplayed when it comes to black men. That's, that's, that's a major issue as far as I'm concerned. So shout out to uh, Mr. Virgil that he had to die the way he did and didn't get to I'm glad he got justice even if it is after he died but he didn't deserve it going down like that I apologize I'm trying to get my chair straight here we go alright Marshan 2424 appreciate that support now this is what we're looking at so what's the next thing well this one's a little different uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this little clip and then we'll comment from there. Y'all can see what the hell this is about. Here we go. Proper. You would be better making love to the queen twice a week and have it. All right. Hold on. Seems that I get it. I think I know what it is. All right. So let's try that again. Here we go. This is six days a week and have it be sloppy. <laughs> okay. Warm up every. Yes. When you make love to a woman, make love proper. You would be better making love to the queen twice a week and have it be quality versus six days a week and have it be sloppy. <laughs> okay. Warm up every part of the woman's body before you dare insert your penis in her. Men, it is your responsibility to bring consciousness into your bedroom. It is your responsibility to warm up your partner. Give her all the time that she needs. Ladies have learned to start to use their voice and they're going to tell you what they like. Listen to it without your ego. It's to benefit her. Lovemaking is an act of service, not just pleasure. Not just pleasure. All right. I think I've talked about this before, you know, the way I know I was raised and, and I'm not talking about my parents influence. I'm talking about the social environment I grew up in in the 1980s and 90s was very gynocentric. Right. The, very, the focus was was really when it came to dating and mating was all about her. Right. I grew up in that era where everything from R&B to uh, seductive culture was all about pleasing, titillating and seducing her. 
pedestalizing her. And one of the things that I found many young men learned, I grew up in the Bay. I was born in Brooklyn, you know, Flatbush, Brooklyn, but I was raised in the Bay Area. So San Jose, Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, EPA, uh, a little bit of Oakland, I had family in Oakland. But we bounced around the Bay a lot. And one of the things that I learned was it was always all about her pleasure, right? And so when I was coming up, especially through high school, we would routinely talk about the length of time we spent pleasing women, to what extent we went, what kinds of reactions she gave. And most of the time, the only thing brothers expected in return was that she starfish. She just kind of lay there and receive. And that was what sex was. It was her receiving and your value was determined on how creative you could be in extending and giving. He really had to do much. A lot of them didn't because the social expectation really wasn't on them. So that being said, what this dude is talking about is what I grew up hearing. Now, when he talks about lovemaking as an act of service, notice how he never talks about anything regarding the woman. Now, I didn't see the larger video. If there is one, maybe he does, you know, but at the end of the day, hearing this is exactly what I grew up on. And this was how many of us learned to seduce women. It was all about pedestalizing her, pleasing her, and, and making sure she had nothing. She didn't have any real expectations. She didn't have any real responsibilities other than to receive, right? And I think we're in an era that I didn't think I would live to see where men are actually articulating their own needs and saying, look, this shit is not a one-way street. This is a two-way street. There's a receive, there's a give, there's an interaction that takes place. And truth be told, I think the first person I heard really break that down was um, Patrice O'Neill. Patrice O'Neill said it in a very crass way, because that's the way he was. But even though it was crass, it still hit me hard because up to that point, I had never heard anybody advocate for men's pleasure, for men receiving anything. I mean, in a nutshell, he said, you know, your pussy is no more important than my dick. He said, in essence, you know, if we had sex and you're upset that you didn't get money or gifts or anything else out of it, he said, you got exactly what you gave. You gave, uh, you know, uh, your body, you got back mine. And I thought that was an interesting thing because having been raised with this idea that simply her attention should be enough for you to damn near worship her, I had nev never actually heard, especially in a public space, a brother break it down at that you know, wasn't sufficient. So, you know, shout out to Patrice O'Neill for being the, the kind of foundational element in my own process. So when I hear these things again, coming from the past, I, I just, I can't help but just shake my head because we're in an era where it's not just about her. It's not just about her. It's not just about her pleasure. Men want to receive as well. And if that can't be something that's entered into the equation, men are checking out. And they're going to find uh, options where reciprocity or even having them uh, be prioritized in the relationship is something a lot of brothers here have never experienced. And they're willing to go look for it. And I'm, I'm actually blown away in many respects because I didn't think I'd live to a time to hear black men say that or speak like that. I really never thought I would, you know? But yeah, in the comments, y'all know what I'm talking about. As soon as I get home from work, absolutely. You know, um, I grew up off of that. Yeah, 
Patrice, you know, used to say, your happiness is paramount. I never heard anybody say that to a black man before when I was coming up. Y'all may have. I hadn't. I hadn't. Absolutely. Um, yep, here we go again. I'll give you the sun, the moon, the mountains. <laughs> yeah, I remember all of that. That was deeply embedded, especially for Gen X. You know, I'll cook dinner for you. I'll pay your rent. You know, all that baby face stuff. He didn't come out of nowhere with that. That wasn't that wasn't out of nowhere. That was very much a reflection of the moment, reflection of the time period. And it evolved out of the, you know, the 60s and the 70s. You know, although they had, a, I think, a greater range of diversity as far as subject matter and a lot of the music. Yeah, that's what you got. And so this this kind of notion that men need to just, you know, provide blind service, shut up. I mean, this CompuServe kind of idea, I'm, I'm glad it's dying. You know, I really am, because I think it's long past time that men actually require. Yeah, reciprocity, giving, and not just, you know, receiving. Somebody said, all true man, Alexander O'Neill. <laughs> Oh, Julian. Julian said babyface who's twice divorced now. Damn. <laughs> Shout out to BGS. If you check out the video he posted this morning, he was he was reviewing a book actually written by a white man who was talking about dating black women. And uh, one of the observations he had is that uh, at the end of the day, you can give a woman, especially a black woman, everything she asks for. She'll resent you if you don't give it. And she'll resent you for being weak if you do. Now, obviously, that's a, there's a generalization there, but it's a generalization that not only I've experienced, but far too many men that I've met, you know, in so many different places. I've met them personally, uh, in person. I've worked with them. But then when I got on YouTube, I started to hear from men around the world. And sometimes it'll be, you know, men of African descent or African-American men from from the U.S. who live in other countries, but I've heard these same kinds of stories from all over. So it's not just isolated incidents. Shout out to Great I Nine. Says uh, arguably this mentality goes back to the plantation when few women were available to men. <laughs> it might, but uh, this worship thing has gotten much deeper. So anyway, one of the things that I think we misunderstand is that when it comes to intimacy. Um, Men should not just have to be on the giving end. Men need to receive. And if that's a complicated issue, and it, it's more than reasonable for men to go elsewhere to find people willing to extend to them. And if that's something you can't understand, then you're just not going to understand it. Anyway, so let's continue. What else we got? This one is an interesting one. Shout out to Ash um, on uh, Facebook. Go ahead and put this one up. All right. You guys might find this one a little entertaining. I know I was caught off guard. There you go. All right. So this is, uh, oh man, no, that's not the one. My bad. Hold on. Hold on. There it is. Yep, you can see I'm already back to being rusty. All right, let's try that again. Shout out to Ghetto User. Appreciate that support. Let's see. Let's go ahead and share the screen this time. I think we got it right. There we go. So this is an article that comes from 2013, right? 
and it's dealing with the WNBA. It says, with rebound, WNBA solidifies spot at ESPN. You know, so this is November 2013. And let's just quickly get to it. There's really a sentence here I want you guys to see. Right? It says, unsurprisingly, ESPN says the majority of the WNBA's audience continues to be made up of men, as it has for years, not women. 66% of ESPN's WNBA audience is male, and nearly half is African-American. Now, I found this interesting, because one of the complaints that I tend to hear most when it comes to the WNBA is that men are not doing enough. This is from the players. This is from random women commenting on the state of affairs in regard to the WNBA not being as well-supported or well-funded as the NBA. It's this underlying idea that men hate women, that men who are just so patriarchal can't appreciate women and, and, you know, love to celebrate their failure. They don't support them, so on and so forth. Yeah, but shout out to Ash. I didn't even actually know. I don't watch a lot of sports. Shout out to T-Breeze. Appreciate that support. <laughs> you can burn up my clothes, smash up my ride. <laughs> that pretty much, man. That's what we saw. Anyway. <laughs> so, but yeah. So the WNBA, as it seems, is supported differently. So I decided to look into this a little bit more. And of course, I wanted to, you know, kind of find out what the stats had to say about this in 2023. So let's see what they had to say. So, um, you know, you can see their level of interest in WNBA in the United States as of March 2023 by gender. And what this shows you We'll start on the right side. So the right side, can't make it out, is female. And this is measuring the level of interest, right? So the light blue line at the bottom are avid fans. So it says, you know, 4%, right, of, the, of those uh, of women who express, uh, females who express interest in the WNBA, 4% are avid fans. The dark blue, navy blue, 19% are casual fans. And 77% are not fans. You know, just not fans at all. Then you go to the left side. The light blue at the bottom is almost three times as high in terms of avid fans. Those are men supporting the WNBA. You get to casual fans. It's still 10% more than the women at 29%. And then you have 60% that are not a fan. So it's interesting. Now, when I posted this on Facebook, y'all would be amazed at how many men <laughs> were actually actively watching WNBA <laughs> while they were reading the post. That's what was killing me. They were like, I'm watching games now. Right? So even though we constantly hear that nobody supports the WNBA, most particularly men, men need to do better, we find that men have been doing better. And the only person that I've heard call this out publicly in terms of the lack of support from women is Bill Burr, the comedian. Uh, shout out to Julian. Says I was brainwashed by Babyface, Luther Vandross, Brian McKnight, Freddie Jackson, and Keith Sweat. Congratulations on a good show. <laughs> yeah, them and a lot more. Absolutely. We never learned how to articulate our own needs. We learned that if you had needs, you needed to shut up and just provide, just extend. And and see, the underlying belief was she would return that with affection, love, and respect. And so when you got back contempt, 
most people didn't, most brothers really didn't understand, but you kept trying. This is why you have cats my age that have been married two and three times or have been married once, had a couple other projects with a couple other women, had some kids, you know, got two or three sets of kids. A lot of it is just dismissed as irresponsibility in terms of men and their sexual engagements. But I think it's more than that. I think you had men who were trying to achieve the stuff we were raised to believe, right? That pedestalizing women would lead to happiness, love, affection, and respect and loyalty, right? And you actually found that the more you gave, the less you got back. And you were going to get contempt either way, whether it's because you gave her what she asked for or expected of you or that you didn't and you, and you failed. Either way, you were met with contempt. Either way, you didn't get the love, the respect, the loyalty, all the things you thought you would, all the things we were told we would if we did it. So, yeah. But as far as this is concerned, I just thought it interesting because I had not really heard just how much support right, men have been providing. right, And it's actually women not doing it. So Bill Burr was right. Shout out to him. He called it. This is what it is. Right. And so the misunderstanding that I think this reflects is how much men actually do support women. Because really, and I think everybody knows this at this point, the WNBA would have failed a long time ago had it been left to stand on its own profit. If it had been left to stand on its own income, it would have failed out the gate, out of the gate. You know. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Artisan. Artisan for the education. Never heard the term starfishing before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that even in high school. She lay there and then judge what you did. And then, you know, your reputation depended on how well you did it. She didn't have to do shit. Just show up. But anyway, that aside. So shout out to Bill Burr, as Indigo, said, Indigo says in the chat. Uh, it says, been effing with him since 04. I was okay with Bill. I preferred Patrice. Um, but I do think Patrice stepped Bill's game up a lot. And then after he left his, you know, I had respect for, uh, for Bill because he demonstrated publicly his love for Patrice. I, that game, I got a lot of respect for that. I had a lot of respect for that. He was one of the, the, the number of comics that stood up to attest to Patrice's brilliance and had nothing but respect for him long after that. And, uh, so I appreciate Bill, but I also appreciate his honesty and he pointed it out. He said, if actually, if women support the WNBA, they wouldn't really need to be support there to be support for men. You know, so I found it interesting. So shout out to Ash on Facebook for being willing to point that out and help us reveal yet another misunderstanding. Got Officer Faulkner in the building. Appreciate that support. Says the WNBA proves once again that even women think their own athletic endeavors suck. Damn. Hey, is what it is, right? So I, I thought that little bit of information might be of use to some of y'all. And again, as I said, I will put all the links um, in the chat once I'm done, in the description once I'm done, so you can examine this yourself. But we looked at it from 2013, and we carried it all the way up to 2023. And according to the data, it seems to hold pretty consistently that men are the ones that have been supporting this, Okay. And have gotten no respect for it, no appreciation, no acknowledgement. If anything, they've been slapped in the face publicly and, and villainized for not supporting enough. 
I would have respected it more if I saw more players and people involved with the WNBA that come out starting with, we appreciate those that support most particularly the men. And I I ain't gonna lie, considering the state of the NBA, most particularly black men that support the WNBA, we're gonna start out by appreciating them. We're gonna appreciate the players that show up to the games just to make sure there's attention on what we're doing. I've seen some of these players actually attack the men, right? For supporting, for showing up at games or for, for mentioning key women players. Some of these cats have actually been attacked by some of the female players for not doing enough, even when they're doing it. Just, you know, dismissed altogether. And yet we find out beyond individual athletes, men in general have been supporting. So something to notice. Okay. So this one, this is a little interesting. So there's a number of separate videos that I'm going to play. They're all about a minute, about five of them, but they're all one story. They're all one story. I'm going to go ahead and play them back to back. And then I'll explain as we go. Some of you guys may have seen this already, but let's go ahead and check it out. Let me go ahead and just adjust the sound. And uh, let me start from here. So I'm having to use. Okay, here we go. There we go. So now got the sound all the way up. We got uh, a gentleman and a lady in a hotel room. As you can see in the title, he caught his wife at a hotel with his friend. Check it out. What are you finna do, yo? I look, give me a minute, right? You been here for 10 minutes. I really ain't supposed to be doing it, man. My girl just beefing. I don't, listen, and I'm just in that moment right now. I already got my money, so I don't right. give a if you leave, nah, you well, can leave. Tripping on all the six dollars, they ain't brought nothing. I'm just saying, like, I ain't never did this before. So you a virgin? I ain't no virgin. I ain't none of that. Like, I don't know, man. Matter of fact, my girl might be outside filing me or something. I don't know. You been, you starting to scare me. Scare you? You've been stalling. Uh, she you out there. You need to be scared. I ain't stalling. Is you the feds? I'm you far from it. Far from it. God damn. Like, man, you that, that's. You're not. Come on, you know what? See, let me check to see if you're the best. What you do? Do what you do. Ain't none of that. Check, man. Now, you know what? Let me let me find my car, man. Please find something. You, let you me get this get out of the way. All right. Now, yo, I hear this all the time. Oh, this is stage, that stage. It may very well be. We'll see. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on it. My concern is actually what's going on. So if you didn't get it, you got a guy in there who's with a woman. He just paid for sex and he's stalling a little bit. She's getting a little upset about it. Let's check out the next video. What's at the door? Hold on, wait. Oh, hold on. There you we go. You need something. Act like you're scared. Act like you've been here before. I don't fuck from that. God damn. What the is at the door? Hold on, wait, chill out. That mother partner. Your partner? Yeah. Uh-uh. This ain't, we not doing no motherfucking train. You ain't pay for all that. Ready, Maisha? So that's what we're doing? What You set me up? You yeah. set me up? Set you up? You about to f- 
Hey, I was not gonna f hey, you was I just gave you sixty dollars. I, I, I just gave her sixty dollars. I'm not no motherfucking. I just needed yeah. some attention. So this is what you be doing every I just night. Just need some about attention. You, you come. All right. So first and foremost, let me just say, that's your boy. That's your boy. So his best friend, you know, paid his woman. Met her in a hotel room and he's stalling, waiting for his boy to get there. So she's upset. She's waiting for him to start having sex with her. She's already got her money. And then finally, his boy makes it there and confronts her. Now, this is a whole separate part of the story. Y'all going to see where all of that goes. But I just wanted to shout out, you know, his boy was down for him. His boy was down for him. He was revealing his woman's nature. Let's see what happens with that. Um, so let me get the next one up here. and. Time it. There we go. All right. Here we go. Talk to me. You go straight to the room. You go to the room. You so you gonna go? F him. Him. I wasn't gonna f him. I just needed some attention. Oh, so you gonna hey. get in the hotel room to get some attention? Yeah. How long you been doing this for? What? I don't know. You man, how many? Bro, be real, man. Man, Stop just let her go, man. F her late. But why the f would you do that shit? I wasn't gonna. Man, we got a dog, like. You, what kind of example you set for your daughter? A little bit of money. What, what if what if our daughter was doing this shit? You think that shit cool? Dang. Why would you do some shit like I'm that? Bring her up right now. Yeah, Don't bring her, her up. Right like, right. This reality, you gotta think about us. that. This is this is about you. Dang. What's wrong with you? Why would you do you that know. shit? Like, you know what, what do I know? Mom? I know you was about to f my partner. You know. I just Yo. We ain't done. There's a couple more. Um Alright, let me get them up there. Alright, here we go. I was not gonna f him. Man, stop lying to that Shut man. The that's just, man, I just gave him six dollars, man. Just to tell you, I think I think his boy detected how soft he was getting in the situation, that he was about to give her a pass. And he like, yo, I just gave her $60. Like, he's reminding him, look, don't forget what this is. Because we've been trained. I think Dennis Sperlin calls it the simp chip. You know, we've really been trained to give them the benefit of the, of the doubt. This is really how black men in particular have been socialized. We do not hold women accountable. Now, I'll say this, and I've been saying this for years. We don't hold women accountable in society as a whole in the West. It doesn't really happen. This is why 65% less sentences are extended to women for the same crimes as men. It's not an accident. Women are not held accountable on a societal level. But when it comes to the black community and black men in particular, we especially don't know how to hold women accountable. So it doesn't take much, even in some, some, a situation as egregious as this, for her to get off. The first thing she did when he knocked on the hotel room door, the door opened and she saw him, she started walking. She started walking. And he's following her around like a child trying to get her attention. And the only reason she's even talking to him is because he backed her into a corner she couldn't physically walk out of. And immediately started with this, you know, ridiculous response, which is all kinds of gaslighting, but let's continue. Like you said, how many to be honest with me? How long you been doing this shit? Babe. Babe? Um, 
For real, how long you been doing this? I don't know. Like clearly you was about to f Sorry, like she been doing it the way she was talking to me. the whole plane talking to me. He said, it sound like she been doing it a while the way she talking to me. He is not letting his boy forget what's going on. He's not. He's like, I just paid her $60. And now, now notice her tone when she switches back and forth from her man to this dude. Okay, we got one more. We got one more. Go ahead and add it. Slide it back. There we go. Here we go. What do you want from me? I want to know why the f would you do that? I just like, give you me no real excuse. You don't give me attention no more. Man, what if he could have been a f***ing killer or something? Okay. I noticed what he did, right? As opposed to actually holding her accountable for what she's doing, he gets to the point where he's actually trying to protect her as his rationale for checking her. What if he was a killer? See, this is what I mean when I talk about CompuSurf. And I'm not I'm not excluded from this. This is how we've been socialized. We do not know how to hold our mothers accountable, our aunties, our sisters, our girlfriends, and our wives. Now, there are some men that just get it. Some men who've been raised by fathers who, who put that in them. But for the most part, for the last three generations, black males have not been socialized to check women. So he got to the point in this. And you notice her tone, right? She's all kinds of, you know, convincing. This is really a lot of gaslighting, but she's convincing him to not be angry. He got to the point where the only thing he could say was protective. Well, well you could have got an STD or he could have been a murderer, right? Now, let her have showed up at a hotel room where he was seeing some other woman. And you ask and, and ask the question, is she there to make sure that he's not going to get mugged? He's not going to get shot or stabbed or that he's not going to get an STD. Tell me what happens when she knocks on the door because she su suspects he's seeing another woman or even a prostitute. Right. We've seen videos like that where the response is violent. Right. Violent. And she feels justified in being violent. This cat doesn't even feel justified in being angry. Because again, we don't know how to maintain anger, especially in the face of female misbehavior. So he actually puts himself in a position where the only thing he can say is protective because he doesn't know how to do it. And this boy is trying to, you know, check him, but he's not listening. But here we go. But you were just gonna entertain me. Now you ain't have sex unprotected. Make your mind up. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you not doing what? Why are you the one who's doing it? Why are you doing this? That's what I'm trying to find out. Why would you do this shit? We're barely making bills. But the bills get paid. Barely? Now notice that. We barely making bills. The, you know, this is, I mean, aside from the whole, you know, I'm doing it because you don't pay me attention. Now, by bringing up bills, she's subtly blaming him, right? She's blamed him twice at least for her actions. And he's, he's swallowing it, which is why she's doing it. And it's why she keeps talking to him in the tone she's talking to him. 
He's made it his fault, and he's buying into it. Let her go, man. Let her go. Ain't no telling how many been ran through her neck. That's the last video on this. That's the last one. On that. On that subject. But yeah. The misunderstanding of black men I think people have in scenarios like this is that we don't have a reason to distrust. I think people don't think we do. I think some people don't believe that black men in particular and men in general don't have a reason to distrust. What you just witnessed was a surgical, I mean, I mean, surgically performed a, a manipulation of his emotions. And he didn't have the wherewithal to hold her accountable. And his boy has provided him with just clear cut evidence. And he still didn't have the capacity to do it. He did mention they had a daughter, but that's there, you know, do with it what you will. But at the end of the day, holding women accountable is not something we as a a group know how to do, but it is changing. And I'm hearing more from black men than I ever have. Even looking in the comments, even looking in the comments, these are not reactions that I could imagine of hearing 20 years ago, but I'm glad to see it. Right? Brothers putting each other, each other up on game and actually articulating what our concerns and issues are. Right, And this one gets to the heart of trust. So they talking about paying bills. They talking about struggling. This means they live together. They got a kid together. This is not his side piece. This is not his casual girlfriend, whether they are officially married or not, because y'all know how we do in the black community. Sometimes that you got a wifey. You've been with her for a decade. You ain't got no paperwork together, but that's that's your wife. It is what it is. That's your wife, right? That's that's what it is. That's how that happens sometimes. My impression of this is that was supposedly his wifey, right? Not just some side piece he was dealing with, not even a baby mama. That was his wifey, right? And she out prostituting. And she talking about how hard things are, which is why they need cash. But she's talking about $60. $60 is she got from his boy, right? So again, the misunderstanding here is that black men, uh, I think some people perceive us as not having a reason to distrust, right? To distrust. So let's get to the last one. And the last one is near and dear to my heart, not in terms of the individual situation, but in terms of um, the issue as it occurs, right? And this has to do with black boys, has to do with black boys. Let me get this up here. You can see it. All right. Let me stop this video here. All right. All right. So you see the title. This is People Magazine. Now, this is 2018. I'm excuse me, 2019. Uh, but I had not run across this piece, I don't think. I thought it important to cover. This victim accuses ex-Ohio teacher of grooming him for sex at age 12, then having his baby. March 2018, Laura Lynn Cross, 38, pleaded guilty to three counts of felony sexual battery. Right. All right. Let me get rid of this uh, video clip here. Enlarge this a little bit. 
former Ohio teacher who sexually abused her student and had the teen's baby is now being sued by him, people confirms. In March 2018, Laura Lynn Cross, now 38, pleaded guilty to three counts of felony sexual battery against the student. Cleveland.com reports she was sentenced to three years in prison. Cross convinced the victim's mother to give her partial custody of him. This is deep. Saying she wanted to mentor him. She was arrested after the boy's suspicious father recorded a conversation with him in which he admitted the sexual relationship then turned that recording over to the police. Cross was a teacher in the Akron Public Schools and a PTA uh, and board member of the Talmadge uh, County Schools where she lived. The suit, which was filed on April 15th in the Summit County uh, Court of Common Pleas and viewed by people, people names as co-defendants, the superintendents of both district as well as employees of the district. Okay, let me, there we go. It accuses all defendants of wanton and reckless conduct in the failing to prevent child sex abuse and intentional infliction of emotional distress. It accuses cross of assault and battery. According to the suit, here's where it gets deep. Cross allegedly began grooming plaintiff at the young age of 12 as his sixth grade music teacher and continued grooming him at the young age of 14, or 14 as his eighth grade language arts teacher. The grooming, according to the suit, entailed buying him sneakers and taking him swimming, bowling, and to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, let me just, I'm going to stop there for a second. As far as society is concerned, again, and this is something Dr. Curry has talked about in The Man Not and in other publications, most people in society do not know how to empathize for black males, even black male children. We know the data out there as young as four years old, but black boys are seen to be older than they actually are. But in this instance, you got a 12-year-old boy that's being groomed by his sixth grade music teacher. And it's not a one-time occurrence. She grooms him from 12 onward. And we're going to keep going through it, but I just want to put this in context. If this was a male teacher had, who had taken your daughter at 12 and begun to groom her and somehow convinced the family that he should get partial, uh, what is, what's the actual term they use in here? I want to find the actual term says cross convict uh, convinced the victim's mother to give her partial custody so that means you got a male teacher that gets your daughter starts grooming her at 12 and manages to get partial custody of her while grooming her and then eventually gets her pregnant that's what we're looking at here in any scenario especially a scenario that hits a court if you had a male teacher doing this to a girl across race this would easily be perceived as an epar situation and that he would need to go to jail and they'd need to throw away the key. And the, and the twist to it, too, is that male prisoners might kill him on the inside for what he did. This woman has groomed him since 12. And even online, the reaction I tend to see, especially from other men, is that he got it good. He got he got he got sex. There she is. Now. Having raised a young man so far to the age of 17, I guess the only model I had for boys prior to that was myself. And I guess I always saw myself to be whatever I saw myself to be. But I had never truly witnessed true innocence until I had a son. 
I was the first person to hold him when he came out of his mother. And I have seen him for the most part every day since. I've watched this boy grow. I've watched him tell his first lie and not really know what a lie was. I watched it. I watched true innocence. So as a father, I could tell you that dealing with a 38 year old woman as a child, you are not equipped. Look what we just watched in the last video clip. That's a grown woman manipulating a grown man. Imagine what a 38 year old woman can do to a 12 year old boy. See, we wanna make this about sex. We wanna say, oh, he got some, he got it in, he got it from his teacher, that's whatever. You know what, all that sexual fantastic, you know, fantastical bullshit, that, that's all nice in a porno. But when it's a child, especially your child, and you've actually seen innocence in this child, you've seen him grow from, I mean, I used to be able to hold my son in one hand. He's 6'10 now, size 20 shoe. But I used to be able to hold him in one hand. If he had to deal with a 38-year-old teacher who had been grooming him, you're talking about the psychological impact of which is immeasurable. The damage she could do to this boy before he even knows what's going on. I talked last year, a couple of years ago, actually, about some of the most dangerous um, people to um, sexually exploit boys. I, a few years ago, I was doing some research and I was looking up Catholic priests and, you know, I read the stories about priests and they are devastating in terms of what those priests were doing to boys. But you know who's worse off than that? Nuns. What nuns, look up articles on nuns who have sexually exploited boys. The reason I say it's worse is because what you'll have happen historically is that nuns will get pregnant. And so here you'll have 13, 12 year old boys who have impregnated the nuns who are the teachers at the schools they attend, right? These nuns are taking advantage of them sexually. Then she gets pregnant, the boy finds out. And then she gets moved to another church and he never sees her again. So you got boys who are growing into manhood. And these stories go back at least 100 years. You can find articles on that. And listen to these now grown men talk about the fact that they, they've been traumatized for decades because they know they have a child out in the world that they'll never see. They couldn't even find the woman. They've never seen her again after the age of 12 or 13. All they know is that she's pregnant and she's gone. And the ill part about it is when they talked about as 12, 13 year old boys, what their experiences were, they didn't even know how sex worked. One boy in one article actually said he thought sex came about because you kissed. Another one said he thought sex happened when you just laid on top of a woman, even fully clothed. This is how young these boys are. So for grown women who can manipulate grown men, what they can do to boys is devastating. And we play that down because it sounds titillating that this woman did this. Anyway. All right, so it says, the grooming, according to the suit, entailed buying him sneakers, taking him swimming, bowling into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, suit alleges Cross began sexually assaulting the student during the 2012-2013 school year when the victim was 15 and in the ninth grade. So she groomed him mentally until she started having sex with him at 15. During that time, according to the suit, the boy was almost living at Cross's home, and the two came to school together every morning and left together in the afternoon. She made him her man. But notice, these kind of women, they make, when, you, when you're talking about dealing with a young boy, it's about control at the end of the day. 
It's about control. There's no way in the world he can control her. There's no way in the world he can really push back. She runs that. That's the same thing. When I talk about son-husbands and husband-sons, whether it's a woman's biological son that plays an emotional role in his life that he really shouldn't be playing, that's a son-husband. She controls him. She uses him for the sexual engagement, sexual energy, the dynamic between male and female. She uses him for that. But it's supposed to come from a grown-ass man. She uses her own biological son to get that because she's in control. Now, take a husband's son. This is a grown man that is not biologically related to her. But she's in a better class position, position, a better financial position, a more stable position. She has a living domicile. She has a car. A lot of these dudes are homosexuals, couch surfing from home to home. And she'll take him in. She might marry him. She might even have kids. And when she's ready, she'll put him out. Right? BGS had a video up, uh, I think, last week of a couple of these guys together. Where a woman is actually berating her man because he didn't answer the phone and bring her tampons to work. So she's berating him on camera and all his friends. This is a collective collection of husband sons, right? But again, the dynamic in that is about control. Now, you take a situation like this where you're talking about a grown teacher exploiting a student. What do we have yet again? Control. We're talking about a practice in women where identifying men that can be controlled is something sought after, right? But in this instance, this boy didn't have a chance. There's no way that he's going to be able to handle a grown woman manipulating him from the age of 12. It says, when the boy's father became suspicious and tried to discuss the situation with school employees, nothing was done, the suit alleges. Why? We don't empathize for boys and men. And if anything, he was lucky that he got something. That's the perspective we have, even if this shit has him in therapy for, for the rest of his life. See, that's the thing people don't understand. Check out Dr. Tommy Curry and Ebony Utley's paper, She Touched Me. And they actually talk about the impact on boys who've been sexually molested is the same as it is on girls. Girls go through years of trauma, and y'all have all met a broken woman who was molested. The finer she was, the more likely she was molested. And a lot of them have been molested. A lot of women have, especially in the black community. A lot of them have. But the trip to it is a lot of the boys have too. We just don't pay any attention to them. So women and girls get all the attention in terms of molestation. And we understand when they need counseling. We understand when they're broken. We understand when they don't know how to function. We do not understand when boys have the same reactions to the same types of molestation. The difference is boys' experiences are ignored. And when they're brought up, it's either a joke, especially if we talk about boys who've been in prison, or it's something they should be happy about because they got some pussy. This is ridiculous. But this is what we do. So we got boys that grow into grown men who continue to be traumatized. And this shit can get so deep that the very way you process pleasure sexually can still be tied to something that happened to you at eight years old. You have everybody has certain sexual proclivities, things we engage, things we like, things that we, you know, it could be fetishes. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Every person has their thing of what they're into. But what we don't often understand is when boys are molested, and this happens with girls as well, when when underage children are are violated, this disrupts so much that's still in development that they can carry this with them throughout the rest of their lives. The very idea of how pleasure is processed can be permanently changed based on an experience that traumatized them. Even an experience that they were told they're supposed to like. 
and it can happen in ways that are hard to predict. These kinds of situations can cause lifelong psychological trauma, but we ignore it because he got some. Okay. And the boys, uh, okay. So after the victim moved in with Cross in August 2013 and then began attending Talmadge High School, she continued to sexually abuse him. During the 2013-2014 school year, it was well known in the school community that defendant Cross and the plaintiff were, ha were having sex, the suit alleges. Again, the boy's father allegedly told multiple authority figures, but the suit says nothing was done. Excuse me. Cleveland.com reports a federal judge dismissed a similar lawsuit on the grounds that the two-year statute of limitations had expired. People's call to the Akron Public Schools was not immediately returned, but district spokesman Mark Williamson told Cleveland.com Wednesday, so as not to prejudice, prejudice this or any other case, Akron Public Schools withholds comment on pending litigation. It's interesting to hear that the two-year statute of limitations had expired. I can't imagine a girl coming forward and talking about a teacher who had sexually molested her and that not getting traction. That's interesting. Okay, so that's the, that's the piece there. So there you go. No, well, that's actually another one. Isn't that a trip? All right. Let me get this off the screen. That's what we're dealing with. So the misunderstanding on that one is that black boys don't need to be protected, especially as long as they're getting pussy. Right? Five ways that black males are misunderstood. Justice in a timely manner, that intimacy is reciprocal and not one way, that men actually do support women, even though women don't often credit them for doing so, that men don't have a reason to distrust, and that black boys don't need to be protected as long as they're getting sex. Five different ways that black men are often not understood. So. I do apologize for not having kept up in the comments. I do like to go back and read the live comments, see what you guys had to say. Um, so I appreciate your comments. I hope you'll continue to put them in in the comment section. Um, looking at a random one, though, says Jamila says, you never see black educators sleeping with students. Shit. I report on that all the time. Um, it is not race specific. Trust me when I tell you it is not. Again. It often comes down to control. Let's be real. But anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Hope you all have a good night. I look forward to checking out your comments. I really want to hear what you guys have to say about some of this stuff. This is what we're dealing with. And this is why at the end of the day, we as black men need to learn how to actually respect and extend that respect to one another. Um, uh, let me see. Let me, I want to get a brother's props. I'm going to send you over to his channel if you haven't checked him out already. Um, I just shared it in my community tab. Did a video a little earlier. Um, I'll check out Growth Talk with Kofa. Right? Growth is G, you know, it's a G R O W T H Talk with Kofa. Y'all check him out. He did a video where he's talking about Dave Chappelle and Cat Williams and he was talking about manhood. But one of the things he pointed out in his most recent video was the importance of men actually ex extending respect to one another and engaging in dialogue as a way to, you know, dismiss beef. And it's real. 
but it's it extends out of empathy it extends out of mutual respect and it's something that i think we need to learn how to do not only for each other but also for our boys i don't think we do enough of because these kind of situations ain't nobody else coming to extend any humanity to us to assume our humanity it's not happening we actually have to extend our humanity to each other we got to humanize each other and actually have a dialogue that advocates for us. Anyway, y'all have a good night. I'm going to get back to this grind. I will talk with y'all soon. Peace. We are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.